prosecution outlined how accounting practices what fuck? What? did not What kind of likeness is that? If they were great artists, they'd be in a museum. I'm fucking fodder for cartoonists now. Back to another episode of Gutter Boys, episode 47. Uh, Gutter Boys is a small press comics podcast about the ins and the outs and the highs and lows of making comics. I am your host, Cam, with my co-host, JB. Whoop whoop. What up? Uh, today, we are joined by Boston-based cartoonist Carl Stevens, whose new book, Penny, uh, we say that it comes out on April 20th, but it was delayed because it was on the ship that was stuck in the canal. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I still think that is the funniest thing that, that yeah. actually affected one of our guests. Yeah, it's um, it's. Uh, I messaged Carl being like, "Well, you know, it sucks, but at least you know it's a good story." Yeah, right. That booty so, yeah, too thick. Yeah, uh, the new delayed release date is now May fourth. Um, so on May fourth, you'll be able to get Penny, uh, Carl's new book from Chronicle Books. But um, before we uh, hit the break with Carl, we're gonna do what we do and get into some news. All right, so this is not breaking news. This was reported on about a week and a half ago, so we're a little slow on this, but whatever. If you're using, by the way, the Gutter Boys as like your main source of comic news, you you really need to reassess that. <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't do that. I'm just I'm just saying, from one friend to the other, uh, don't do that. But anyway, uh, some big news came out at the tail end of March, where Marvel announced their new partnership with Penguin Random House. That's right. Diamond, hit the road. We got a real distributor on site. And uh, this is huge for many different reasons. One, fuck Diamond. That's the biggest one. Yep. Hopefully, this will be the last nail in their fucking terrible coffin so we could finally wave goodbye to that piece of shit company. But anyway, yeah, it was announced that uh, this new partnership will have Penguin Random House handling all Marvel titles moving forward. Uh, Now, you might be thinking, how will this affect comic book stores? And it does in the best possible ways. Based on the news that we've read so far, Penguin Random House released an official statement stating, Penguin Random House aims to be the best distribution partner for the comic book market. You, as a comic book retailer, are the epicenter for pop culture in your community. Man, that's really cringe. And PRH (laughs) wants to better support all areas of your business. In addition to giving you access to industry-leading supply chain and dedicated customer service support, PRH will increase your access to their books, publishers, and marketing and promotion campaigns. PRH believes in the power of brick-and-mortar retailers and knows that they are a vital part of a healthy retail ecosystem. At a time when many publishers divested their commitments to physical supply chain, PRH has doubled down on investment. There will be a designated warehouse for comic book distribution and 
new shipping carton specifically designed for comic books. PRH is also creating an online retailer site with access to a monthly catalog of upcoming comics, graphic novels, and manga that will be purchased through their portal. The website and accompanying catalog will include information on new and upcoming features, sneak peeks, and a listing of top-selling titles and more. PRH is committed to not just maintaining a presence in brick-and-mortar retailers, but to drive continued growth in your store. The ongoing mission is to partner with you to grow your business and legacy. When you open an account with Penguin Random House, you are getting access to all Marvel Comics and graphic novels, free ground shipping on all outgoing orders, no opening order required for a limited time only, online ordering through our business website, improved search functionality, pull up information by keywords, title searches, or identifiers, real-time stock availability, ability to see and filter by all promotions you are eligible for and add those promotions to your cart, estimated arrival dates for orders available at the title and order level, tracking information, a dedicated customer service rep assigned to your account, the most advanced supply chain in the book industry, low reorder minimums, and no reorder or restocking fees. That's a huge one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Merchandising options, including displays and spinner racks that ship for free when you order the fill. Access to more than 15,000 new published titles annually across 70-plus core publishers and imprints and several dozen distributed publishers. Publishers include DC Comics for graphic novels, Random House, Children's Book, Del Rey, Pantheon, Kodansha Comics, Vertical Comics, Square Enix, Seven Seas, and as of July 1st, 10 Speed Press. All of that is is pretty positive, specifically uh, those points about free shipping, having a representative assigned to each account, and also low reorder minimums and no reorder or restocking fees. Uh, So this pretty much knocks it out of the park compared to Diamond. I mean, it almost feels like they made this list just to shove Diamond's nose in it. Yeah, right. Uh, so I, I don't know what this means other than we'll be seeing a lot of changes and a lot of shifting, although we've already seen that over the last year. Uh, but we'll be seeing even more changes and shifting in the distribution world for comics and the, the direct market in general. This is Penguin Random House's first entry into the direct market for comics. Yeah. So it, it could also be a make or break for them right. in terms of whether or not they'll be able to even handle this. My guess is they won't have issues with it, but you never know. Hiccups happen, especially with what's been going on with supply chains over the last year. Uh, who's to say? Uh, nothing is beyond the realm of possibility, I guess. But if I was, you know, a store and uh, and I was looking at this, I would I would be feeling pretty good about it. I don't know. What about you, Cam? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's obviously like a good thing to it. I mean, because fuck Diamond. So if I'm a store, I mean, it all sounds good. The only thing that sucks is is uh, these stores, I think because Diamond's had such a stranglehold on the market, don't they run off like a Diamond POS, a lot of these stores? They do. However, the fact that now shops can use the Penguin Random House portal and their website, all of the infrastructure that they have at their disposal for this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I really don't think it'll be that difficult for them to make the transition. Okay. Hell yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I mean, like, obviously, you know, DC's had a different distributor since what, the summer of last year, late spring. And I mean, picking stuff up from my comic store, it doesn't seem like there's any kind of hiccup uh, as far as getting the titles in their hands. Is DC still releasing new comics on Tuesdays? Like my shop's closed on Tuesdays, so everything still just comes out Wednesdays. But are they still doing Tuesday drops? Because I wonder if Marvel's going to, you know, move to Tuesdays now just because DC did it originally or if they're going to stay on Wednesdays. Because it'd be really fucking funny if like Marvel ends up moving to Tuesdays or just a different day after they put out those fucking we stay on Wednesday variant covers or whatever the fuck they did. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Uh, You have to consider like DC's reasoning. Mm-hmm. for moving over to, to Tuesdays just because of all their media. But with Random House, all they're dealing with is books. 
So I don't see them, I don't see them making the switch. If anything, they would likely want to make this transition as easy as possible for a lot of these uh, stores Yeah, and just make it Wednesdays. Or maybe there, the possibility is that they'll give them options in terms of when they're able to pick up. Well, uh, is Lunar, I know Lunar distributes DC, is Lunar distributing like regular books like Penguin Random House does or no? Because uh, if so, because new books, like actual like, you know, prose novels and, you know, nonfiction books, like actual books at like Barnes and Noble, the street date on those are still Tuesdays. Like that's new book day. So I almost wonder if the reason why DC got moved to Tuesdays is because if Lunar's distributing normal books, like everything in their catalog just has a release date on a Tuesday. Yeah. In terms of like non-comics, I don't know because I do know that they also distribute Scout Comics and Entertainment Holdings stuff. Okay. Uh, So that covers Scout Comics, Black Caravan, Scoot, Outsider Comics, and Track Collectibles. But I don't see anything about Lunar distributing like book books Mm -hmm. the way Penguin Random House does. Okay. Yeah. So, hmm, interesting. Yeah, I'll have to look more into that. But yeah, it just would be really fucking funny if they moved Marvel Comics off of Wednesdays after they made those variant covers. That would just be funny to me. Because those variant covers were very cringe and fucking stupid anyways. So... Yeah. I mean... That was was pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah. Because I mean, like, who gives a fuck what day they come out? Like, just go to the store on whatever day they come out. Like, I I know it's been Wednesday for years, but, you know, whatever. Well, I think also it's like you had to consider their, like, core demographic of who's still ordering like this. Yeah. And, uh... Based on my personal experience, these are not people that are fans of change. Yeah, no, no, no. no. <laughs> you know, like, uh, so I don't know. It's really up in the air. I'm sure they'll make a statement about it soon. Yeah. Well, and Marvel's still working with Diamond to an extent, right? Like, I think Diamond still has access to the trade paperbacks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, I mean, you can still order Marvel through Diamond. Okay. So, it's just another way to get these books. So, the shop can choose how they're going to get these books. Right. The okay. the invisible hand of the free market will decide. Now, the thing is, is that Penguin Random House won't charge you freight. Right. Diamond will. Exactly. And that, I think, will definitely get people to order or at least be open to the idea of ordering from Penguin Random House yeah. instead of Diamond. I mean, because that's, that's, uh, that's a lot of money. I mean, because if you think about it, you know, we were just looking at, you know, it's going to cost, you know, around a grand to ship all of our gutter magazines to us once they're done you know like so coming up with like you know comics every week like that's actually a pretty fucking big deal free shipping especially for the shops that you know are month to month which you know believe it or not is more than the majority of them i would say like you know you go to bleeding cool and every week it's like an r.i.p memoriam of whatever comic shops close that week so yeah, there there was one note on Bleeding Cool that I saw. It says, senior industry sources talking to Bleeding Cool have let us know uh, that DC Comics has a clause in their existing book market deal with Penguin Random House uh, mm-hmm. that might even let Penguin Random House publish their own DC comic graphic novels uh, that states that DC Comics will always get favored nation status at the distributor. And this means no other publisher will ever have a better deal than DC. Damn, they got but, that Kevin Nash and Scott Hall contract, bro. But far more significantly, that while DC is distributed in the returnable book market by PRH, Marvel cannot be, which is why uh, this deal with PRH and Marvel is just for the direct market made up of non-returnable comic books. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, you know, we'll end up following the story. We've been following it for over a year, so I'm sure we'll touch base on it again. But um, overall, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. This is a win. Yeah. And um, hopefully it'll lead to better things. We'll see. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. Uh, but I, I don't know. I feel like with Penguin Random House's, I guess, uh, track record and, and just by name alone. They've been around for I, like over a century, right? Yeah, they've <laughs> yeah. been around around for a while. And unlike Diamond, 
they have a very modern supply chain mm-hmm. in terms of like handling distribution and whatnot. So, whereas Diamond hasn't really changed much over the last 25, 30 years. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Just based on what I'm reading here, I feel like Penguin Random House is going to really outdo Diamond on every level. But I don't know because nothing is certain anymore. Uh, so I, I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give you any absolute answers here. But my guess is it, it's probably going to be for the better. Yeah, for sure. I agree. You know, the only thing that I can hope is that if these, uh, you know, better distributors, because Diamond only exists, you know, in the direct market, pretty much. Um, So with, you know, I I can only hope that we get spinner racks at, you know, bookshops, you know, places that, you know, I don't know if a spinner rack in a gas station is still feasible in 2021. Let's just be real. But anything to put comics in other stores and make them easier to get, I think is a win-win. Hopefully, if it goes well, the money could trickle down to the creators. I doubt it. But, you know, it'd be nice. Yeah, I mean, if anything, I would like to see them return to uh, grocery stores and uh, sort of like general brick and mortar stores and just have them next to the magazines if you wanted. Mm -hmm. I mean, because, you know, DC and I think Marvel, too, have that deal with Walmart, which kind of like it's fine. But like they sell like the the bundle. It's like four, you know, it's like a Batman, a Superman, a Wonder Woman, an Aquaman comic and like shrink wrapping all for like 10 bucks, which like it's cool that they're available there. And I was like uh, the last time I was in Walmart looking for cards, like they're right near the cards. So like they're Mm -hmm. recent titles, like they were like doing the future state shit. So it's like, yeah, it's a way to get recent titles, but you can't just buy like one comic or look through it because it's like shrink wrapped. So right. And you're likely not going to find the title that you're looking for right if they're if they're using that method because they're all going to be like the first issue in the story and they're not right. going to print the second issue in that format you know <laughs> right, so yeah right uh you have to go to the comic shop at that point which you know is cool for the comic shop but how many fucking people are buying that at walmart and being like yes i've got to read number two <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah. So. well you know we've talked about this in terms of like how do we restructure comics mm-hmm. In, in like modern times mm-hmm. and it's going to take more than just putting a couple of titles on a rack at Walmart. Yeah. You know what comics could use right now? Uh, an enema. No, a blue chew tablet. Oh yeah. So I did not even see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want a segue? <laughs> I mean, yeah, go okay. ahead. Go off. Let me go pull off. Up the yeah. copy. I was going to say, like, if anything, this Penguin Random House deal makes my cock rock hard. Yes. And you know what else does? Blue Chew. Tablets. <laughs> you can't say it's a Blue Chew. <laughs> Blue Chew, which is a subscription service, not the name of the pill. It's not the pill. Okay. Blue Chew is the name of the service and not the actual tablet that you chew. Right. Blue Chew is the manufacturer. So if you... Yes. And it's not a joke. It's not. This is 100% real. Don't do it ironically. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a joke, folks. We really have linked up with Blue Chew. And, you know, Blue Chew is exactly what you want to use if you are flaccid like the North American comic industry right now. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets help men achieve harder and stronger erections to combat all forms of erectile dysfunction. Strong erections. Blue Chew is an online prescription service. Again, it's not the name of the tablet, it's the prescription service. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that means no doctor visits, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy like an asshole, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package that says, I have a small cock that can't get hard. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's discreet. It doesn't have any labels. It doesn't have yeah. There are no labels. Like no stickers saying this man cannot get hard. My wife left me three months ago. None of that stuff is on there. It's 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 all a blank super secret. box. Discreet. It's got your name and address on it, I'm sure. But the process is simple, folks. You can sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part, it's all done online. You know, with this pandemic, you don't have to go and see your doctor, say my dick's broken. You know, you can just get online and talk with one of their physicians. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. And uh, if you don't like swallowing pills, don't worry. No problems here. Yeah, it's called Blue Chew, not Blue Swallow with Water. Yes. And full disclosure, I don't need Blue Chew. <laughs> but... <laughs> I have tried the Blue Chew tablet, and if you're trying to go rounds like the Muhammad Ali and Superman cover that Neil Adams did, what you need to do is chew one of these Blue Chew tablets. Uh, Blue Chew has two main active ingredients, uh, including sildenafil and tadalafil, and uh, the Blue Chew tablets are made in the USA. They uh, are prepared in the States, and they ship direct, so it's way cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence, not in your comic work, but in your fucking work, in your stroke game. Also in your comic work, have you ever drawn a page with a full-blown erection? Folks, there's nothing better. Let me tell you what right now. If you really want to go that extra mile and make the greatest comic anyone's ever seen in the modern era, do it with a full hard cock. And the only way you're going to get that full hard cock is if you go to bluechew.com. Parody, 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 parody. BlueChew.com, baby. And we've got a special deal for the Gutter Gang. You can try Blue Chew absolutely free. Oh, baby. When you use our promo code Gutter at checkout, that's G-U-T-T-E-R. You just have to pay $5 shipping, and that's BlueChew.com, promo code Gutter, to receive your first month free. And we do want to thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Yeah, big shout out to Blue Chew. Dreams do come true, folks. Let me tell you what. Yeah, we are so honored to have Blue Chew as a sponsor and to hopefully get some Blue Chew tablets. So, Hell uh, yeah. And hey, if you're a woman and you have a cock, this goes off to you too. But we just want to make sure that we state blue chew is intended for males only females cannot legally sign up or order for their partner nor females should consume sildenafil or tadalafil themselves also gender is fake so if you have a cock regardless of whether or not you think of yourself as a man or a woman uh fucking get on it yes bluechew.com promo code gutter yeah see we're all inclusive here in the gutter boys mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know man woman mm-hmm You know, whatever. If you have a cock, you have a cock. And listen, if you want us to not bother you about our Patreon, then you will go to (laughs) bluechew.com. Yeah, that's true. Use promo code gutter and get you some blue chew tablets. I can't believe we're doing this. (laughs) (laughs) This is so ridiculous. This is not an April Fool's joke. It's April 2nd when we're recording this. Yeah, yeah. Just to clarify, just to clarify, that is that is real. Please go to bluechew.com. Use promo code Gutter. We have three more episodes of this and more if you all use the promo codes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We'll be a little more creative with our ad reads. (laughs) Maybe we can have uh, Akira Yoshida on and do an ad read. (laughs) Oh yeah, we can get a testimony. 
<laughs> oh no, that might actually for real, real get us canceled. Yeah. So um, shout out to all of our patrons that listened to our special interview with Akira Yoshida. Uh, it was very nice that uh, Yoshida-san could take time out of his day to give us an interview, the first American interview in years. So uh, we appreciate Akira coming on the show. If you want to hear that episode, you can go to patreon.com forward slash gutter boys. And uh, that would be available on the $5 tier. If you sign up for that tier, though, you get all of the back episodes. Wait. Five dollars? That cheap? That cheap. Now For quality content. You're telling quality. me if I spend five dollars a month, I can get access to two bonus episodes every month. Every month. And if there's a uh, a month where there's five weeks in it, you'll get five episodes. So maybe you what? know. Well, five total, including these main feeds. So some months you might get three Patreon episodes. What? You never know. And if you really want to, you know, sweeten the deal and you're a big baller and you want physical content, there is a $10 tier, 15 for international patrons just to cover shipping rate. Uh, we have a monthly zine called Pimp Digest. Uh, I just finished printing the second one. It's got an interview with young, hot cartoonist Nate Garcia, part one of an eight-page comic about Akira Hokuto by JB, a uh, one-page comic from me and a cover and some drawings. Those will be going out on uh, the day you hear this, Monday. I'll have those at the post office. So uh, all of our patrons from March, we appreciate that. And uh, I'll have those zines out to you soon. If you want to subscribe and get Pimp Digest number three, you can throw us $10 a month on Patreon and get the bonus episodes as well as a physical zine once a month. What are you even saying? Yeah, crazy deals. Uh, crazy deals to be had over here in the Gutter Gang Nation. Uh, we actually just passed $500 a month on our Patreon, though, so thank you all, seriously, so much. Uh, continue to tell your friends about that and loved ones and family members. Yeah, sign up uh, Sign up your family members. Mm-hmm. So we also needed to talk about our upcoming t-shirt. This is going to be our second Gutter Boys official shirt. Yeah, the, the summer shirt, or no, the spring shirt, sorry. Well, it might get in people's hands by summer. Yeah, so like last time, folks, you know, we're going to print at the LVAC. Everybody that DM'd us about the shirts were very uh, excited about the quality. So, you know, it might take a little longer than normal, but the quality is always going to be there. But yeah, we're excited to be collaborating with friend of the show and uh, Gutter Magazine contributor Alejandra Gutierrez. Uh, you can find what's up? them. Yeah, what's up, Alejandra? Uh, you can find them on Instagram at Hellwood666, but uh, we're releasing, uh, yeah, our second official shirt. Uh, you've probably seen it online. It's the uh, design that says Gutter Boys, and it has uh, Bugs spanking Lola uh, Bunny. Uh, Chugs while, uh, Dunny. Lola is reading and a comic. Shola. <laughs> yeah, Gunny. yeah, sorry. Did I say Bugs? Parody, parody. <laughs> it bugs me, I mean, how I forgot what the uh, character's name was. Yes, parody, come on. Yes, parody, parody, parody. Yeah, but you can let me get the store uh, yes. link. I forgot our store. Anyway, link. just Sorry. go on the show. We don't even need to describe <laughs> the image. Uh, yeah, just uh, go on to go to our Instagram account. Yeah, it's available for one week. Uh, if you're hearing this today, it's the first day it's on sale, April 5th. It is on sale until April 12th, and we'll expect it to be in your hands four to six weeks later. If you want to order one of those, it's going to be available at gutterboyspodcast.bigcartel.com. Available for one week only via pre-order. And uh, yeah, we're going to print them on comfort colors again, so expect the same really nice quality as the uh, second anniversary shirt. And uh, even though we said it, you know, a few episodes back. Thank you again to everybody that got those. It's really exciting to see everybody uh, wearing those and tagging us in their Instagram stories. Yeah, I uh, I haven't actually worn mine yet, but it does look really nice. Big, big shout out to our boy Pablo for that first run. Really knocked it out of the park. Uh, and we'll yeah. be having him on for some future collaborative projects. So if, if you liked what you saw, you'll be seeing more of very similar work. Mm-hmm. 
I'm uh, fiending for a Christopher Moltisanti oh, design. Oh, baby, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Pokemon cards. <laughs> Uh, you know, I did want to make a shirt because I have a really nice, clear, large image of Christopher Moltisanti uh, and uh, and and his girlfriend Aid. Maybe we can do something for with that. Yeah, we'll just put Nancy and Sluggo under it. <laughs> Actually, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah, not many people will tell you this, but Sopranos is actually a live action adaptation of Nancy. Uh, yeah. Keep that on the DL, though. We're mm-hmm. trying to avoid that. Uh, Bushmiller Estate gets a, a royalty check yearly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, quick shout outs we have before we get into our interview. First off, a friend of the show and collaborator, Eric S. Gutierrez, co-runner of Really Easy Press over in Seattle, Washington. They just released their new anthology series, 666. It's a horror anthology. Each creator contributes six pages with six panels on each page. And uh, the theme for this issue is sleep. Uh, There's a lot of really great contributors in this one. We have Elaine Lynn, Sage Coffee. Eric, Learn Maxwell, Bjorn Miner, and myself. It's available now at Really Easy Press. Pick up a copy. The website is really-easy-press.com, or you can go check out their Instagram account at really.easy.press. They should have those available now on their online stores. And if you want to buy one from me direct, I'll throw in a drawing. Hell yeah. But I will not, I will delete that because I realized I am moving. So, (laughs) (laughs) so never mind. I'll do that when I'm done moving. Okay. Do you want to know, you know, you said the theme was sleep, right? Yeah. You know what I do when I can't sleep? What's that? Pop a blue chew. (laughs) 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 All righty. No, uh, getting back to the shout outs, though, uh, we also want to give a quick shout out to Mary Shine. Mary sent over copies of the uh, Silver Sprocket Quarantine, which was like uh, flash pages of tattoos by a bunch of different illustrators, as well as their comic Get Over It. It's a nice, thick volume, two colors, uh, black and orange. It was a really good read, actually. I would actually recommend picking this one up. Uh, You can find Mary online on Instagram. Their username is Myrtle Willoughby. And um, because we're going ahead and recording, uh, Mary also sent over some peanuts packages to JB and I. So we want to thank Mary for that as well. Thank you so much. I'll give it five out of five Marones. Hell yeah. Uh, JB, you were on Masters of the Obvious this week. Yes, I was. Uh, Masters of the Obvious are friends of the pod. They have a pop culture show. They're based in L.A. Uh, Just look up Masters of the Obvious and you can find the latest episode about the Snyder Cut with JB on it. I haven't heard it yet, but yes, we did talk about the Snyder Cut. Of course, these feminazis had to really go in on my boy Zack Snyder. And, uh, mm. you mm. know, I just had to hold it down for the for the real ones. Yeah. No, we just talk about the movie and how ridiculous it is. Uh, they hated it more than I did. I would say my, uh, my feelings towards the movie is more indifference towards mild humor. Okay, yeah, fair. It, I mean, it is a spectacle. I, I don't know. Like, if you're going into the movie theater or streaming it on HBO, whatever, you really shouldn't have high expectations. Like, you're not... Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Anybody that genuinely thinks that superhero movies can be, like, this elevated thing, like, I'm so, you're, you're playing yourself. You really yeah. are. Like, if, it's you, just, if you're it's mad just at Scorsese yeah. over what he said, then, yeah, just, you know, stop. Yeah, it's no different than watching, like... Fast Five. <laughs> yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Blake's you know? gonna be really mad at that, but yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Blake's really into that. Uh, but no, I mean, just 
oh, Bad Boys. Bad Boys 1 and 2, great movies in terms mm-hmm. of just being entertainment. But nobody's nobody's holding their breath over those movies. So, yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone should for these either. I don't know. You know the uh, other person that was on that pod with you? The Cupcake and Destroy or something like that? That was CM Punk's ex-girlfriend. Oh, no kidding. Well, I... <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I Well, we technically weren't on the same episode when we recorded. Oh, okay. I think, they, gotcha. I think that one was recorded either before my segment or after. I'm not really sure, to be honest. Oh, okay. uh, but we do have a lot of mutual friends because uh, I have seen them at a couple of like events that my friends ran. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, maybe that's that's why she looks really familiar. I, I don't know. But, yeah, she seems nice. I don't know. We we She added me on Instagram. So, you know. Nice. No hate. All respect. You know. Yeah, all respect. We love we love people that add us on Instagram yeah. for the most part. Yeah. And if you want to be on the show, if you're listening to this and you want to be on the show, we can talk about how small CM Punk's dick is and why he needs Blue Chew. Oh. Hey, you like yeah, that? Yeah, so baby. Yeah. So, just remember, BlueChew.com, promo code <laughs> gutter. You're going to be able to go rounds and keep it Man, people up. are going to be so sick of this by the end of the month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we become drunk with power and cock pills. <laughs> yeah. Listen, if you all get us a second month, we will record all... All of May's episodes after chewing a Blue Chew tablet. Yeah. Okay. All our interviews moving forward, we will have rock hard dicks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the guests, they won't know. <laughs> yeah. But you will, the listeners. Yeah. But you, the listener, you will know. And that's a shoot, brother. Yes. Speaking of things that make my dick hard, Rust Belt Review. Oh, yeah. Rust Belt Review. Getting a lot of great reviews, speaking of reviews. Yeah. I see that magazine every day in my Instagram stories, which honestly yeah. makes me happy because it's such a great comic. Um, I love the size of it, too. I'm like a, you know, size is important when you use Blue Chew <laughs> and when you print comics, okay? So, um, no, but in all seriousness, though, Rust Belt Review is, as of right now, on my top comics of the year list if gutter magazine ever contends for an ignatz brick we'll probably get beat by breast belt review but no i'm just kidding no but uh it it really is you know i can't emphasize more how important it is that i feel like cartoonists have a place to work and rust belt review is a publication that i think would be very cool for cartoons to work for and uh, i can't wait to see what sean does with the future issues you can find sean online at sean knickerbocker on instagram to get you a copy Before we uh, get over to our interview with Carl, uh, you know, as always, you can find us online. I'm at Cam Del Rosario. JB is at Mort Crimp Jr. Uh, We're on Instagram and Twitter at GutterBoysPod. Feel free to email us stuff at GutterBoysPodcast at gmail.com. If you want to send us comics, you know, we love getting those in the mail. We will shout you out on the show and plug your link. For now, you have to send two copies to me because JB's in the middle of a move, and I will make sure to forward those to him once he's established at his new house. But um, yeah, we appreciate Appreciate you all, you know, supporting the show on Patreon. But we would appreciate you more if you go to patreon.com backslash gutter boys and throw us a couple of dilly dollars mm-hmm. or you'd be a real pimp and get uh What's the highest tier we have? Well, the highest tier that we have is, look, if you want to be a real pimp in the States, in the United States of America, just sign up for the international tier, which is $15, and just give us an extra $5, and you'll get the episodes plus a zine. But uh, yeah, our highest tier is $10 for North American residents and 15 for international residents. Yes. And once a month, we will text you directly from our personal numbers No, a picture of our hard cocks nope. that we gained from no. our wonderful sponsors from this month, Blue Chew. Nope. All right. All righty. Stay tuned after the break for our interview with Carl Stevens.
we'll be right back. Hey, Gutter Gang. Uh, we want to tell you about a webcomic that is also one of our Patreon supporters, Soggy Landing. Soggy Landing is an epic fantasy adventure about a weed wizard that stumbles into a gunpowder plot to smash the state. There's lots of cartoon animals, magic, historical, and literary references, drugs and flashbacks, songs, horror, gore, and the occult. Twice a week, there are new pages of Soggy Landing at Study Group Comics, and there are over 200 pages of frogs, bears, and revolution waiting for you right now. You can follow them on Instagram at welcome underscore two underscore soggy underscore landing or at Ian Densford soggy landing hell yeah dude this program is brought to you in part by a generous donation of $12 by the Michael Sweater Foundation for the Arts at Michael Sweater Foundation for the Arts we are committed to supporting stuff that rocks Michael Sweater encourages you to also sign up for the Gutter Boys Patreon and to buy the latest issue of Strangers Bubbles and other zines about comics also please make more zines about comics and comics history it doesn't even have to be good also Silver Sprocket rules to our program. Welcome back to Gutter Boys. Uh, today, we are here with cartoonist Carl Stevens. Carl is a uh, Boston. You're in Boston, right, Carl? I am. Yeah, Boston-based cartoonist. Uh, he has a new book coming out called Penny, out on April 20th on Chronicle Books. Blaze it, Small man. weed every day. But, uh, <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> ah, I'm doing well, thanks. Hell Just yeah. uh, put in seven hours at the drawing table. Just inking all day today. Yeah. Are you cartooning and doing art full-time? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. It yeah. seems like your process uh, and your pages and everything look very labor intensive. So I assumed you were, but you never know. Yeah, they are. I mean, I generally put in like six to eight hours a day. So are you working seven days a week or do you do a weekend for yourself? Probably six or like five and a half. I mean, um, I got married in 2015 and, you know, working seven days a week is not good for a marriage. So, oh, yeah, definitely. And, you Any know, kind of, and you know, I love my wife and I like spending time with her. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so, so, so I'm like Saturday, I'll like stop work, you know, like maybe, you know, I mean, I'll like sketch or something, but, you know, it's generally we just hang out. And then Sunday, yeah. like afternoon, I'll, I'll probably do like a little something. I mean, that's, that's generally when I finish up the batch for the New Yorker because I, I got hooked on that these past couple years. So, you know, I have to submit between five and ten every week. So are you submitting that many cartoons for the New Yorker weekly? Not weekly. Well, more or less weekly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I missed last week, mostly because I have this uh, massive project that I'm working on now that unfortunately I can't talk about. I was I was hoping I could, but the contract stuff's being worked out right now. Okay. So, but that's, that's you know, prevented me from submitting every week. But yeah, like the past couple of years, I've been submitting every week that they have a meeting. Yeah. I mean, because they're not like every week. Maybe yeah, like I've seen you. Uh, I've seen you post a lot of your New Yorker stuff. I didn't realize you were doing like that much content for them. So, are you sending that many and they pick what they want, or is the majority of that getting used? Oh no, no. I mean, I've uh, last year I probably sold eight. Uh, like the year before that was like ten, and I think it's been two this year. So <laughs> yeah. So you know, I, I mean, I, I probably, I mean, I have a stack of about probably three hundred unused cartoons. 
Yeah, and they're they're pretty funny. I mean, it seems like it's very in line, like the ones that you have posted that I've seen. They're very in line with like that New Yorker like feel and tone and so forth. I didn't realize you were doing so much work like to submit to them, though. That's uh, pretty incredible on top of all the comics work you're doing uh, in addition to these single illustrations. So, Thanks. I mean, you know, I... I enjoy it. It's it's actually like a nice break from the storytelling, and it's just it's a it's a fun challenge. I mean, it's it's something that I never expected to do ever. But I was contacted by Emma Allen, twenty eighteen. Like she just happened upon a copy of the winner at this bookstore in Greenpoint, I think. And she just you know out of the blue just sent me an email and just invited me to start submitting. So that's incredible. So do they yeah. like give you prompts, or do you just come up with the punchline and the illustrations yourself? How much freedom do you have working with them? Oh, total freedom. I mean, it's 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 all on the cartoonist to come up with everything. Okay. So, yeah, there's like zero prompts. I mean, well, in the beginning, she was really encouraging. I mean, it, it was great. Like the first couple batches, she would give me like little notes, but it was nothing uh, like that detailed. It was more just sort of like pushing me. I mean, and that, that does happen occasionally. Like there'll be one that didn't get in because ultimately I think it's up to David Remnick to uh, sign off on it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like there'll be something that like she really liked, but then David didn't like it. And then she'll suggest maybe, you know, like resubmitting it later. Like there was a cartoon about Pitbull that ran, like that was a resubmit. And there was one I, I sold recently that I had changed the caption slightly. That was also like a resubmit and they bought that. So, you know, oh, it's yeah. just one of those things, but yeah, it's fun. I mean, you know, I, I enjoy the challenge. So you mentioned working, you know, you know, eight hours a day. Do you set a schedule for yourself or is it kind of just like, you know, I have to get this done today? Like, do you have oh, like yeah. a, a regimen? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. my <laughs> my life is just one big routine. Yeah. And it's been that way. Well, like, since I met Alex, because she really encouraged me to get my shit together. And I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, like my like typical day is, you know, we like get up at five. <laughs> <laughs> and we go for a four mile run no i'm sorry like first we uh meditate like we started doing transcendental meditation okay are you familiar with that you know like the david lynch foundation yeah, i was gonna say the david lynch foundation is my only exposure to that um i don't know anything about it outside of that they teach that there yeah it, well it's it started um well it was popularized in the states by uh the maharishi mahishogi you know like uh the guy from like the beatles mm-hmm. and, and you know but he made this technique where he just or I guess, like, popularize the technique where you, they, like, give you, like, a mantra, which is this nonsense word, and you, like, think about it for, like, 20 minutes a day. But, you know, like, you're allowed to, like, have your thoughts go in and out. But really, it's, you know, it sort of, like, creates this, like, what's the best way to describe it? I mean, I guess it's sort of like a phone charger, you know, it just, like, allows you to have, like, a lot of, I mean, it just, like, relaxes you. It's mm-hmm. like the point where like, you know, afterwards you just feel like you just woke up from like the best sleep ever. So, so like we do that twice a day and like one in the AM, like one in the PM. So yeah, after we wake up, we meditate and then we run four miles <laughs> and then, you know, come back breakfast, whatever. And then Alex goes to work and then, yeah, I just crank from like eight until, until she gets back, which is like around yeah. five or I mean, well, no, I'm, I like make dinner. <laughs> so probably stop working around four or five before you took on these practices like uh, you mentioned you know you kind of had to get your ass into gear like was your process just very scattered because uh, i mean oh, 
Yeah. Yeah, because it, it seems like, you know, kind of going back to like the actual craft in your work, you know, you're doing these insane pages that are like either very detailed with like pencils and inks or like just, you know, hand painted. And anybody that follows you online uh, or if you don't, if you haven't seen Carl's work, it's just very I, I really can't describe like I, how long does it take you to do like a single page on average? Because it's very it seems like there's a lot that goes into every page. Well, uh, the penny pages were probably taking about. 15 hours 10 to 15 hours depending on detail that's probably the average it depends how big i'm working too uh like the penny pages are generally like the image areas like 10 by 12 so yeah those are about but you know i mean i started doing these really detailed cross-hatched like pen and ink like single drawings like i did one of a tree that i posted recently and like that that took me like 30 hours so (laughs) yeah it's it's really impressive uh, as far as like just like looking at your work and I, I really don't think there's a lot of uh, cartoonists working in such a uh, intensive style nowadays. Uh, I feel like maybe I'm just not aware of them, but I think that's one thing that sets you apart from a lot of what's going on. Now, I think the first book that I had read by you was The Lodger and I'm not mm-hmm. sure on the year on that. Was that like 2014? No, it was earlier. It was 2010. 2010. Okay. Yeah. And uh, before that, you mentioned off air that you had done a book off of a Zarek grant. What year was that? That was 2005. Okay. So, like, were you flirting with comics, like, this whole time? Were you doing minis the whole time? Was it something that you would just come back to? Because, I mean, you do paintings as well, correct? Yeah, I do. I mean, well, I, comics was and continues to be uh, my first love. And I came to painting later when I was uh, in art school briefly. So, I've I guess, well, you know, I mean, I, I grew up in the sticks of Massachusetts and uh, my parents weren't really artistically inclined at all. So my only exposure to art was through like the newspaper comics. And mm-hmm. like at like a young age, I was drawn to, you know, like drawn images, I guess. But, you know, I was like a typical spoiled like American kid in like the 80s. And so, you know, I watched a lot of cartoons and, you know, people just said that they thought that I was a good artist. And I just kind of you know, took it to heart and sort of like let it define me. So, you know, I I like gravitated towards comics because they were just around. But then the more that I was copying them and like trying to write my own and draw my own, the more, you know, it just became, I mean, you know, like just an obsession, I guess is is the word. And um, I just became like a typical comics freak. You know, I, I got into Mad Magazine pretty young. And then, you know, I had friends that were into superhero comics. So, you know, like in the late 80s, early 90s. So I got into all those image guys. And but then, you know, like towards high school, like I had this teacher that was into R. Crumb. So he like, you know, showed me this R. Crumb book, which is he probably shouldn't have done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, I was actually already kind of aware of Crumb because, you know, I was reading Hate by then and Eight Ball and, you know, Optic Nerve, Dirty Plot. Were you living at home when you were reading this yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. Like with your yeah. parents? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I was in high school, so. Was there a cool, uh, like, comic shop? Because you said you are from the sticks. Was there, like, a cool shop you were getting this stuff from? Or did you have to, like, drive into town to find this stuff? Yeah, I mean, it was probably about, like, a 20-minute drive. Like, my mother was, like, really patient, like, good about that. So, you know, she would drive me to that shop. It seemed like every week. Like, looking back, I'm surprised, like, those guys, like, sold those books to me. It was, um, it's called That's Entertainment. It was in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. They had, like, two locations. One was in Worcester, too, which was, like, a farther drive. And after I got my license, I would go there. But, actually, once I got my license, I was driving out to Northampton, because that's where the Words and Pictures Museum was. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I started going there. You know, do you know about the Words and Pictures Museum? Does it have anything to do with the book? That Words and Pictures book that came out in like 2010. I think it was like focusing on some exhibit. I'm unfamiliar with the book, but no, it was it was uh, Kevin Eastman started it. Oh, okay, okay. With his with his Ninja Turtle money, and he, I mean, he you know has like this incredible collection of comics art, and he like built this museum and like on Main Street, like downtown Northampton, to like showcase his collection, and it was like three floors. Wow. And you know, it was everything from like you know Jack Kirby to like Mobius. You know, I mean, like, you name it, he, like, had a page from it. Is that place and still around? No, no, no. No, oh, like, okay, closed okay. in, like, the late 90s. Um, I mean, I think it was only open probably, like, four or five years. Oh, okay. But, like, don't quote me on that. Yeah, but, that's that's cool, though, because, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I mean, it was, you know, incredible because, you know, it's just, like, right place at the right time. Cause, you know, I was, like, discovering, like, a lot of these artists. And then, you know, all of a sudden, there's, like, a museum that has, like, their original art that's hanging on the wall. And they would have events and like they would bring in people. Like I remember there was a Hernandez Brothers event and, you know, this is probably like 97. And like they were both there and like, you know, I was so psyched. I like, you know, drove there and like I was, you know, like the first one in line. I thought, you know, like I got there like super early. And like when I arrived, there was like nobody there because it was in the middle of Northampton, you know. (laughs) So, you know, I got to hang out with like, you know, Gilbert and like he like pose for like all these like funny photos you know like Jaime too that's cool <laughs> so, so that's kind of so which uh ninja turtles guy uh opened this the words and pictures museum it was uh kevin eastman eastman okay so because laird was the one who started the zarek grants right that's right that's kind of cool that they give so much back to comics you know for like being so big that's cool that they i mean you know to oh, have yeah. a museum and sink your own money into showcasing original comic art you know that's that's kind of cool oh yeah well that's like the tip of the iceberg with him because you know, he had Tundra Publishing. Do you know about Tundra? I'm sure JB does. JB, you know about this stuff? You're a Ninja Turtles head. Yeah, yeah. We actually talked about this on an episode before. Was Tundra, well, I remember talking about the Archie stuff, and uh, but the Tundra stuff I don't think I uh, missed out on. But uh, was he publishing? Who else was he publishing? Was I guess the Turtles were over there? Yeah, Tundra was separate from Mirage Studios. Uh, like Mirage Studios was That's the what publishing I was house. Yeah. Okay. And, but Tundra was something that he did separate and it was going to be basically what like drawn and quarterly is now, <laughs> you know, oh, it, was, okay. it okay. was like his like art comics, you know, I mean like his like idea was that, you know, he had known and like met like all these, you know, great cartoonists and, you know, they were all sort of telling him one thing that there was this one dream book that they wanted to do. So his idea was like, well, okay, you know, I have all this money now, you know, how about I'll give you, 50 grand and like i'm just making up that number and you know like you just go out like make your dream projects and then i'll publish it when you finish so actually there's this great interview with him about it uh in the comics journal from the late 90s but he just really goes into detail about like what happened but you know long story short he like lost them all you know like a lot of people like screwed him over and like didn't finish projects so he ended up selling the company to Dennis Kitchen and actually like one of the horrible stories is that one of the books he was going to publish was well because all the books you know they like didn't really sell you know like they were like like very few hits but I think that like one of the last books that he was supposed to publish was uh, Understanding Comics. <laughs> oh okay the Scott McCloud thing. Yeah so and if that he had done them. that yeah. that would have saved the company yeah. yeah. So, so Dennis Kitchen actually ended up doing it first with Kitchen Sinks which Damn. is also in Northampton. Or like, I think he moved to Northampton because of that. So, Dennis Kitchen did. So, have you been in Massachusetts uh, your entire life? I know you're in Boston now. So, have you ever like ventured out for school or anything and you just settled back down there? Or have you uh, just been there the whole time? 
No, I mean, I've, I've pretty much been here the whole time. Well, I, I lived in New York for a couple of years, but okay. But then I met Alex and moved back because, <laughs> like, she's from here. Yeah, so. that's awesome. Well, is there a cool comic scene there? I think uh, we talked to Kurt Ankeny before, and I would think he's in Salem. Yeah. Um, I don't know how far that is from you, though, to be honest, or if you guys even link up or anything like that. But is there a comic scene at all there? Yeah, I mean, you know, Kurt's Kurt's cool. Yeah, actually, I just bought one of his paintings. Oh, hell yeah. Beautiful watercolors that he's been posting. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Salem's like an hour north. But, you know, uh, there's there's mice that used to happen every year and hopefully it will happen again. That's yeah. the, that's in Cambridge. And there's the Boston Comics Roundtable. And, yeah, I mean, you know, I've, it's, it's actually kind of lonely. I mean, you know, I've, I've, I have a couple cartoonist friends that um, I talk to every now and then, uh, like Dave Ortega. Do you know him? I know the name. Yeah. yeah. Or Raul the Third, Raul Gonzalez. He did um, Low Riders in Space and... Okay, uh, I know that and, book. Yeah, yeah. So like, he's, hell yeah. So actually, I just saw him recently. He's had some incredible success, and he's really made me want to do a YA novel. <laughs> <laughs> he's like rolling in it. It's crazy. Well, as I say, there's there. That's where the money is. So if yeah. you want to make money on comics, that's where you go. It's true. Yeah. So let's talk about your new book a little bit, though. Uh, Penny. It's coming out from Chronicle on April twentieth, like we mentioned earlier. I had actually gotten, uh, gosh, I think it was Cake. 2019, yeah, Cake, I think. I'd gotten a magazine-sized, like, mini-comic that you did featuring stories with Penny. Mm -hmm. Was that just something that you pitched to a publisher, or did they see that comic and they wanted to do a full book? How'd that come to fruition? Well, um, it came... Okay, it came later. Well, the, um, it, it started... So so that, that mini was a collection of all the comics that were in the Village Voice. So it, like, started as a weekly comic for the Village Voice, and that ran it ran from the fall of 16 to the spring of 17 so it was just like six months but that came about through tom spurgeon like i got this email from tom and like during the summer saying that he was he was hired to be a scout for the village boys because they were looking to uh, start up their comic section again and they wanted two like regular cartoonists and you know he had like a whole list of names and he asked if i'd be interested and he said um unfortunately it only pays a thousand dollars per strip only Only a thousand dollars per (laughs) strip (laughs) so so i emailed him back i was like well i guess i could do it for that amount yeah, I get, yeah, I'll have to think about it, but I I'll think, think it's about workable. It. Yeah, yeah, that's it's worth my time. Yeah, so so I like pitched some ideas. Uh, well, I like went down there and like met the editor, and you know they they were telling me that they wanted something that was about um, like young people like living in Brooklyn, like they had just discovered Brooklyn, so they thought that it should be captured, you know. And because of my style, they wanted it to look like you know like a Stan Drake, you know, sort of like like soap opera comic. So. You know, I, I came up with a couple of lame ideas, but they were like, well, it's like not quite what we want. We want something that will appeal to women, which is an odd thing to say. So I asked Alex, you know, what would you want to read? She's like, well, just do something about the cat. Because, you know, we were all, you know, like all cat owners, you know, we make up stories about the cats. Mm-hmm. So really it was like born out of that. So I just started writing all my, you know, dark sort of sophomoric thoughts <laughs> down <laughs> and then you know when i put them as penny's thoughts you know it, they just they like seemed funny but then like the more that i got into it the more that you know like her character started to develop you know obviously like once you start writing something you know like the character takes over so yeah i mean so that's how it started so they bought that idea and you know i just worked my ass off for those six months you know really you know just 
because you know it's like a dream job. I mean, like I'd, I'd been a all weekly cartoonist uh, for the Boston Phoenix, which is our Village Voice for about seven years, from 2005 to 2012. And you know, I mean, it was they they paid me like a tenth of that for those seven years. So you know. This, well, bef- yeah, before we get into, you know, further on the book on Penny, like okay. you were doing, you know, you were working for multiple publications as far as like doing like newspaper strips and so forth. And um, one thing that, you know, our audience is like, let me know is they want to know more about like how to get there. So did you like, were you sending your work to these places where you asked to, uh, you know, contribute under the village voice thing? You said you linked up because of Tom Spurgeon. But yeah. as far as like, you know, the Boston paper, were you submitting and you eventually got accepted? No, 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 that was created for me. As well. Oh, nice. Because okay. Hell yeah. The, well, because the uh, Zurich book that I did, uh, which is called Guilty, it was like a 60-page uh, novella, I guess, graphic novella that it was just about being a drunken like fuck-up living in Alston, which is like this, you know, sort of hip neighborhood of Boston mm-hmm. where like a lot of students live. So, you know, it was funny in like the uh, newspaper, you know, Phoenix did a review of it and... You know, like they really liked it, and I was well. I I, I've been doing illustrations for them before because uh, like a roommate of mine at the time was also you know doing illustrations for them, and then the art director came to one of our parties, and you know I I showed her my work, and she's like, oh, you should you know you should do some like editorial illustration for us. So they were already like pretty like familiar with me. So in 2005, they decided to redesign the paper, and they thought it would be fun to have a comic strip that reflected you know life in all. So I just came up with this strip that I thought that they wanted. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it, 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 it like took a while for me to really figure out the formula of the like single page comic strip because up until that point, I mean, I, I was just focusing on doing like longer form stories mm-hmm. because that's what selling and also what, you know, it's like where like my mind was at, you know, like after Guilty, I wanted to do a book that was like twice the size with like more involved characters. So, but, but, you know, I, I wasn't making any money and I thought, well, you know, like I, I would like to make some money off my work, but also, you know, like the Phoenix had a circulation of a couple hundred thousand. So it's like, you know, like a lot of people are going to see this if I do the right. strip. So, so yeah, so I just basically like devoted all my time to doing that. But, you know, I mean, I was like a sort of typical like artist hipster. So I'd like go to a lot of parties, and, you know, I like wasn't as focused, you know, as I am now. Like, yeah, heading into middle age. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, theoretically, I probably could have been smarter about it, you know, because I mean, I was I was cross. I was also like doing like a lot of heavy like cross hatching on the weekly strip. So, you know, it was mm-hmm. taking me like 10 to 15 hours to like draw it. And, you know, I was also working to like at a day job at the at the Harvard Art Museums as a guard. So, okay, so that whole uh, the winter is like auto bio somewhat like the scenes with you guarding the art museum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay, okay. You know, that was my go-to job because you know I, I, you know, I'm not really qualified to do any kind of labor, so <laughs> or like yeah. to like really do anything, you know, because I, I I don't have a degree, and so I can only really do like you know for like day jobs. They have to be very working class. So I figured, right, well, right. if I'm gonna have to do that, I might as well do it, you know, in a place that's surrounded by art. So, but no, for sure. But you so, know, it was it was great. Yeah, well, let's get back uh, to Penny, though. I know that's the new book here. So, uh, were you working on that for... I know that you had some material from the the Village Voice strips, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the book is considerably a lot more material. How much time had passed between the Village Voice strips and you, you know, getting that book deal to start, like, you know, translating it to a longer form narrative book? Uh, It was a couple of years. 
so after this trip ended, I was like, well, that's that. And I, I, I flirted with an idea of doing, of like doing it as like a daily comic. I was, you know, I'd drawn 30 daily style strips and mm-hmm. I was going to start pitching it to syndicates, but I got cold feet afterwards. I was like, well, you know, they're, they're going to put me through the ringer. And, you know, even if it sells, like it's kind of fatalist because, you know, like, is there much of a market for that anymore? Like syndication and what I want to be locked into it. So I, I talked myself out of it and I just kind of forgot about it. But then I, you know, I was doing all these autobio or like loosely autobio comics inside and, you know, like some fantasy, like I was exploring like, like genre material. So I just, mm-hmm. just doing all these like shorter things and I started thinking about publishing them. So I, I emailed Box Brown and asked if Retrofit would be interested in, you know, publishing this mess. So, and that became the winner. But, you know, I still have these cat strips. So I decided to make that mini and then, you know, fast forward to Mice, that uh, convention in Cambridge. Mm-hmm. I was selling them there and I was sitting next to this cartoonist named Marika Makula. And, you know, she was looking through it and she said, you know, I bet I can get this published as a book for like Chronicle or something. <laughs> I, I think she actually <laughs> said Chronicle. So I was like, yeah, that's probably a smart idea. So so I just found an agent and she decided to pitch it for me. And she like knew somebody at Chronicle. The agent's name's uh, Meg Thompson. So okay. she, uh, she's on Tom Hart's agent and also Emily Flick. So, and you know, she like knew one of the editors there, Rebecca Hunt, and we pitched it and it like sold like pretty quick. So it was pretty painless. But then, you know, like I had, you know, they wanted it to be like 150 pages and they wanted it like within 10 months I think the deadline was so yeah so like I just immediately just had to get to work and sketch right. out you know so it was, it was really cranking on it so for like all of 2019 basically all I did was work on so would you say and you know if you don't want to answer this question you know I'm not looking for any kind of like gossip or anything but would you say that having an agent in comics is a more positive thing than a negative thing or you know in your experience because I mean it's cool that they put that deal together for you you know they might have opened up a door that you know may not have been available otherwise what do you like what's your feeling on agents and comics do you think that they're you know necessary do you think you can get by without them like in your oh, experience working with or without them i i i am very much pro agents well i'm very much pro meg thompson because okay, she, she's yeah. been <laughs> just you know like a dream to work with i mean you know okay. she she like knows a lot of people and she's really like super smart and like she's she's worth every penny so hell yeah all right yeah i mean you know like i've i've been like pitching like all of my books to like all the publishers like myself you know, I'm like by myself for like years and, mm-hmm. you know, I just never got anywhere. So, you know, it's, it's much, I mean, you know, it's much easier. And plus like these contracts can be, you know, I mean, I just, I just want to sit and draw, you know, like I don't right. want to have to, yeah, like, you just want to work on the that. shit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm like a savant, you know, it's just, <laughs> so it's like much better just to have somebody looking out for you. Yeah. I think. So what kind of comics are you reading nowadays? Like, what are you into? What are you looking for in comics if you're reading them? Well, I really like Kyler. Roberts, like she's one of my favorites, and okay, you know I love the new book Rat Time. I'm really looking forward to the D and Q book. I like Summer Pierre a lot. The Pencil Paper Life. Do you know her work? I don't know them. No, I know Kyler's though. Yeah, yeah. Like Summer's great. She's based in upstate New York. Uh, she does uh, like diary comics, like auto bio. She did some short strips for the New Yorker that are like biographies. Like there's one on Frida Kahlo, one on, on Sylvia Plath. That's really good. Um, who else? Uh, I like Liana Fink's work. Uh, she's, she's a, a New Yorker cartoonist. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a couple books out. 
I don't know. I mean, I guess I've been looking at older stuff more, you know? Yeah. So, like, I, I was saying before we started recording that, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's what, like, my midlife crisis is, is. Well, I mean, that's what it's turning into. It's just me buying, like, old comics or, like, artist editions. You know, I bought, like, 10 artist editions in the past year. <laughs> Any good ones? I, I kind of have, yeah. like, uh, a beef with artist editions sometimes, depending on the yeah. production of them. Like, have you come across any, like, really awesome ones that you were, like, floored by? Yeah, well, like, the uh, EC Comics ones. Like, I have, like, the best of EC, like, Volume 1. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's pretty spectacular. So, I mean, it has, you know, all the great, you know, it's Master Race and all, like, like 50 Girls 50. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I've, I've been on, like, an Al Williamson kick. Okay. Surprise, surprise. It's it's mostly like an effort to try to like, cross hatch less. So okay. <laughs> so I've been looking at a lot of him and Alex Toth. Mostly just I've been experimenting using like a brush for inking. So are you wanting to get away from the cross hatching just because it's not as labor intensive? No, I mean just to like mix it up. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, I guess that's a that's a byproduct of it. But you know, like I'm still spending as much time because, um, like, a lot of the time actually is spent uh, penciling and like getting the composition right. I mean, that's where I mean, I you know, like, sure, like the like the cross acting takes time, but I'm actually pretty quick. Like, I'm like good enough at it that it doesn't take as long as like the other stages. Hell yeah! So, but well, um, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead. I was just gonna keep talking. Oh. I can talk about artist editions forever. Yeah. I mean, you know, I. <laughs> I like really fetishize it, you know. I mean, I'm sure it's you know just being a cartoonist, but also just just having an interest in fine art, you know, and painting. You know, I, I I like being able to like see the process and like you know try to reverse engineer it. So, would you uh, ever do an artist edition yourself? I feel like your work could you know benefit from one. There's a lot of people that arguably you know could or shouldn't have one, uh, you know. But I could see yours <laughs> working out. Yeah, like who? With one. Oh, yeah, I wonder. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Don't don't bait me there, Carl. No. <laughs> do it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if one was offered, I would jump at the chance. Of course. Hell yeah. So, so uh, we did get some listener questions. As always, if you want to, uh, you know, participate with us and ask our guest show or JB and I, you know, questions for the show, uh, you can find us on social media at Gutter Boys Pod on Instagram and Twitter, or you can email us at Gutter Boys Podcast at Gmail. First question is from Instagram user fathers underscore puka underscore shells dot exe. They ask, favorite Boston indie art house movie joint? Well, goddamn, that's going to be the Coolidge Corner Theater in Brookline. Coolidge Corner. It's been there since the 1930s. It's this beautiful old art deco theater and, you know, they have two like big screens and you know I've, I've seen so many great films there i remember seeing the like re-release of 2001 like, whenever that was they like re-released it on 70 millimeter and it was my god i mean it's like seeing the movie for the first time and it's also like seeing like get out there recently like when that was in theaters and you know just everyone being super into it laughing yeah it's one thing i've, I've missed is the theater experience like i didn't realize i, I enjoyed it yeah. so much um until the pandemic but yeah i definitely miss the theater experience for sure mm-hmm. yeah yeah me too no i mean i have a lot of friends that are of the of the film nerd pers- persuasion so <laughs> we're all we're all bumming for sure Alrighty, second question came from instagram user sam j royale Sam has a cool comic out called Dishum, uh, so if you all are listening and haven't checked that out, go check that out. But uh, Sam asked, what influences or inspires your color choices? That's a good question. I think a lot of, you know, like, like a lot of fine art stuff, like uh, like Winslow Homer, I guess, uh, Andrew Wyeth. You know, I look a lot of painting, so like that, that I think inspires the technique, at least. But, you know, with, with comics, it is different because... 
Um, actually, I mean, like recently, like all those old comics I've been buying, you know, especially from like the 80s, like the Jim Shooter era and like the way that those comics were colored is kind of interesting, you know, like how they color, you know, that there's like a close up, like in the foregrounds of, of, a, of a character, it would be like a solid color, you know, like just weird stuff like that, that like just adds something to the storytelling. So, I mean, like, you know, like traditionally, I, I guess like the color was always inspired by like the history of painting but now i think it's you know being more from like badly printed comics from the yeah <laughs> yeah it's like some kind of aesthetic you get from just like the techniques available <laughs> at the time you know like whether it was an accident or whatever yeah 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 i mean i mean obviously i'm mean, just like you know printing techniques have just are just incredible now like the way comics are produced that you know i just like the way that watercolors look when they're reproduced right hell yeah off of our Discord, we have uh, Nylon underscore Horse. Uh, they ask, I'd like to know how Carl got into making comics and art in general. Did working in one area of work stem from the other, making comics versus fine art? Or did they develop in accordance with another? Yeah, I guess we touched on that briefly. But yeah, it was definitely one inspired the other. I mean, comics just because, you know, I didn't have access to anything else. So that was the main thing. But then when I got to art school, then... It just opened up this whole other world and also working at the museum too. But like, I, I didn't really see a, a difference between comics and, and fine art drawing. I mean, it, it's all, it's all drawing to me. I mean, like, you know, sure. There's like different tricks that like, you know, cartoonists use, but you know, it's still mine. I mean, you know, you can look at, you know, like the German expressionist or something. I mean, you know, they're basically cartoonists like Max Beckmann or, you know, Otto Dix, like Otto Dix's etchings or like George Gross. I mean, like, you know, they're all cartoonists. I mean, actually, Lionel Feinager was a cartoonist. Uh, what was the name of his comic strip? But, you know, he, he like had a comic strip in the Chicago Tribune, I think, in, like the 19, like 1912 or something. And then he like later, you know, like became a painter. So you don't find any kind of like, uh, you don't have to get into like a different headspace when it comes to like working on fine art versus comics. Like it's just seamless for you. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, it's just, I mean, I still paint, but it's, it's very slow and, you know, like I'll have a show every couple years mm -hmm. or something, but no, I mean, you know, it's all the same. It's all just mark making and like neurosis. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So. Hell yeah. Alrighty. Well, next, next question came from our discord as well from, uh, user cram backward. Uh, I'm assuming Carl's hand and wrist hurts all the time. Ask him if his hand and wrist hurts all the time. I mean, it used to when I was masturbating a lot, but <laughs> not so much anymore. So I don't masturbate as much anymore. Yeah, hell yeah. But it's uh, no. I mean, you know, it's I've like luckily like knock on wood haven't had any problems with that. You know, I'm like fearing that's you know like might happen. You know, like I've I've friends that are like you know in their mid to late forties that I've been having problems with like carpal tunnel and all that. So mm -hmm. I don't know. but I'm like hoping that's just from like using a keyboard. So do but, you do any kind of preventative exercises or anything like that for your hands? No, I mean, you know, I, I stretch actually, I was having a problem with my wrist, but I think it's, I mean, this is gonna make me sound like an asshole, but it was like from like doing pushups. <laughs> okay. I was doing like, trying to do like a hundred pushups a day. Like, I mean, like, not all at once, but, like, scattered throughout the day. Because, like, right. you know, like, during COVID, like, the gym closed. So, I wasn't able to, like, pump iron. So, I was just doing push-ups. <laughs> but, like, my, like, wrist on my right hand, which is my drawing hands, started to get all tingly. So, I, I just stopped doing it. So, now I have weak spaghetti arms. Did but that it's, uh, it's put okay. you uh, out of action for a while? Like, were you able to draw with your injury? Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was slight. But, you know, I'm, I'm very, okay. like, precious and, like, paranoid about it. So, I just stopped. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, actually, there was one other question that we got, I see here, since we started recording from a friend of the show, Pat Alizio. Uh, oh, cool. Pat asked, uh, how many reference photos do you use versus uh, drawing from imagination? 
I have no idea. I mean, like, I, yeah. I don't count. I mean, it, it's such, like, a blend of the two that, you know, it's it really, like, depends, like, panel to panel. So, you know, I, I, I tend to use them uh, less these days because it's... Well, I mean, for, like, this new project, I'm, like, using them less because it's... I just need to, like, get it out, like, really quick. I mean, you know, I can draw pretty realistically from, from my imagination, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, I like having a reference there yeah, just for to sure. get everything right, you know. All righty. So, well, uh, before we get out of here, Carl, everybody, once again, the uh, new book, uh, Penny is out on April 20th at Chronicle Books. Request it at your uh, bookstore or order it online. Are you going to be selling any copies or do you have any deals with stores for like book plates or anything like that? Uh, yeah, well, um, at the Millionaire Picnic in Cambridge, which is one of the oldest comic stores uh, in the country, they're going to have some exclusive signed copies. So I would encourage the listeners to seek them out if they're at Millionaire Picnic on Instagram and also at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum gift shop. Like they'll have like 50 signed copies too. Okay. Hell yeah. And uh, where can people find you on social media, websites, anything like that? Uh, Instagram and Twitter at Carl Stevens Art. A-A-R-L-S-T-E-V-E-N-S-A-R-T. Awesome. Alrighty. Well, uh, that's another episode in the books. Thank you all so much uh, for listening. We want to thank Carl for coming on again. And uh, as always, stay gutter. Yeah, yeah, yeah.